Welcome to the VO School podcast, dedicated to the art, craft, and business of voiceover. Each week builds upon the last to give you a comprehensive understanding of a career in VO. My name's Jamie Moffat. I'm a full-time voice talent and audio engineer, and I'll be joined by some of the industry's top professionals on both sides of the microphone to drill down and dig up the truth. Hello, welcome to episode 10 of the podcast, and today we are really classing up the joint. I have an actual psychologist on this episode because we're talking about anxiety and dealing with disappointment and remaining focused amid self-doubt. And this is uh, fairly common amongst actors of all stripe, really. So uh, not just voiceover people. So I hope this is going to be interesting for you. Dr. Chloe Carmichael is a psychologist based in Manhattan, and she works with movie stars and Broadway celebrities and is on the TV and writes for a lot of magazines, including Huffington Post and those kind of places. So she is extremely well respected in that world. And it was a pleasure to have her on the podcast and we also have Anna Vocino, and she is a voice actor extraordinaire. She's a stand-up comedian and an author. Ugh, so none of this, like, Terry Daniel rubbish on this episode. We've got proper people on this week. <laughs> Obviously, I love all our previous guests. <laughs> anyway, before we get started, I'd like to do the social media stuff, and you can connect with us on Facebook and the address to type in is facebook.com slash groups slash VO School Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at VO School Pro. And that's about it. If you have any questions, reach out on those platforms and I'll get back to you. Oh, I have an email address that I set up. I think it's VO School Podcast at gmail.com. I think it is. I'll find out for next time. Um, so if you want to send me any abuse, that's the place to send it. Otherwise, I think we should just get on with the show. So quick message from our sponsor and I'll get into the bios and we'll get straight to the interview. Thank you. Style. Power. You're watching the home of the NFL. The all-new iPhone. Reserve your Disney World season pass now. Through all the runny noses, three in the morning coughs. An all-new American crime story, tonight on FX. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins, and these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Anna Vocino is a stand-up comic and voiceover actor. She's appeared in Batman The Killing Joke, DC Girls, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and Jimmy Kimmel Live. She's also the voice of Thursday Nights on ABC and many video games. Anna was a series regular on the improv show Free Radio on VH1 and Comedy Central. And she's also written a best-selling cookbook called Eat Happy. Dr. Chloe Carmichael has a doctorate in clinical psychology from Long Island University. Her private practice focuses on stress management, relationship issues, self-esteem and coaching. 
She contributes her knowledge to media outlets such as The Huffington Post, Fox News, Cosmopolitan, New York Post, Refinery29 and Forbes. Here's our interview with Dr. Chloe Carmichael and Anna Vocino. Okay, so today I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Chloe Carmichael, who is a psychologist who specialises in anxiety, and Anna Vocino, who is a voice actor, a stand-up comedian, and an author. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank I thought you, so you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, and Anna Vicino, who has anxiety. That would have been. <laughs> that would have been not wholly inaccurate. I well, well, we all have anxiety in the en- entertainment course. industry. We're all a mess. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's that whole look at me, but don't look at me. Yeah, yeah. Particularly mm-hmm. voiceover. It's like we're not fully committing to it as well because we want to be behind the scenes, but also in front of the scenes. You know, it's like it's a, it's yeah. a mess. It's a always mess. in the back cave. <laughs> yeah. So today we're talking about how actors can deal with disappointment and remain focused amid anxiety and self-doubt and all those things. So when you start out, it can be this constant battle in your mind between motivation, disappointment and self-doubt. And it can take a while to find the place where you feel like you fit and feel comfortable and confident. Um, So Anna, what was your mindset when you first started out in the entertainment industry were you confident? And if not, how and when did that develop? Uh, when when I, I've been acting ever since I was young, and uh, I, I I grew up in D.C. and I I had some um, experiences where I was able to go audition for some pretty big jobs, and I was always excited and thought, oh, I bet they can't wait to see me. <sighs> and then when I would get there and see all the other people. I would be like, oh no, this is not, I can't take this, you know? Right. So for me, it was always uh, a journey of learning how to battle audition anxiety. Right. And, and you know, voiceover is a little bit easier because most of our stuff is done remotely. Uh, although, you know, you better be ready to audition if you have to go out of the house to, to go <laughs> deal with other people and, and deal and have your confidence going. But yeah, I, I think it was like a series of, of being up to speed with things. And then, and and then, you know, you just get a little more and a little more and a little more. And then finally you're like, Oh, maybe I can do this. It helps to book jobs. That's what helps reinforce the confidence and the validation. If you don't book jobs, then yeah, that's, you're going to feel bad. (laughs) And yeah, absolutely. And I think you've got an interesting perspective starting when you were young and you didn't have that sort of hard start in your adulthood, which some people go, go into it cold, you know, which is kind of, kind of shocking in some way. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. A, I always had a day job for years um, until probably actually most actors would say that's too late to have a day job <laughs> because I just felt like for me, the transition was very slow. And uh, I was also able to work from home on my day job. So that was good. But right, I right. it was until I had finished shooting the first season of a television show as a, on camera as a series regular and it wasn't until I found out the second season was renewed that I actually quit my day. Like I was really conservative with it. A lot of people are like, I'm quitting my day job, (laughs) but I I still had the, you know, you never know what's going to happen. It could all end tomorrow, you know, that kind of a thing. Right. Absolutely. So Dr. Chloe, I'd like to bring you into this. So when someone starts in the voiceover profession, they don't have this sense of who they are, like I just said. And I'm sure that's the same in other industries too. Um, But on top of that, in 
acting in general, there's also this sort of steady stream of rejection and constant knockback. So is it, I wonder if it's possible to self-generate confidence out of thin air? Well, um, no, I wouldn't say that we generate confidence out of thin air. And the good news is, is we don't want it to be that way. We don't want it to be some, you know, mercurial thing that we conjure up out of thin air. Um, as Anna was saying, actually, through practice and through getting jobs, um, that would be how you would build your confidence. Confidence is really something that has to be won. Mm. Um, at the same time, as you said, there is a lot of rejection that you have to weather while you're in the process of building that confidence because you maybe haven't yet booked a job. And uh, that would be a time, I think, to tune into the disappointment, the rejection that you're feeling and trying to figure out if that is actually a healthy signal that there's something about the way you're presenting yourself that you need to change, uh, mm. work on, improve, um, or is that the kind of rejection that you know, it just means you weren't right for that project, but you don't really need to change anything. Right, right. And I mean, it's quite natural to be nervous, you know, when you start out. And particularly, like Anna was saying at the start there, if you're going to in-person uh, casting calls and things like that. So if you don't have that confidence, is is there something you can do? Is there a mindset that you can go into that will stop you being a nervous wreck? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, that's really interesting, Jamie, because sometimes being a nervous wreck doesn't have to do with confidence. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you're talking about it because I think it's a very subtle distinction. So a person can even actually be very confident, but still find as Anna mentioned, she's like the prototype here, I think, which is great. I can understand. Um, Anna, thank you for, Anna, thank you for being willing to be vulnerable and share oh, sure. with us. Um, so Anna shared that even though she's, you know, reasonably has healthy confidence at this point in herself, that sometimes she can still get pretty nervous, you know, with audition anxiety. Um, sometimes it's actually the finest actors that experience anxiety and do become a nervous wreck, even though deep down they know they're confident. And that's mm. where it can be a hard one, because if that nervous energy is, again, stimulating you to, to say like, okay, wow, I really don't know my stuff. I, I, I should be nervous right now. And this is a sign I need to go practice more. Um, or is it the kind of nervous anxiety that's coming, say, from some people have kind of a hair trigger physiological response where uh, we get a natural shot of adrenaline when we go into an audition and some people's bodies kind of takes that as like, wow, I'm really jazzed. And then they, yeah. it's hard for them to act natural and do a, a slower scene with that kind of body pace. And then they get nervous because their body is nervous and they think it means they must be nervous. But I know it can sound very complicated, but I actually, being in New York City, I have the privilege to work with a lot of Hollywood and Broadway um, stars. <laughs> so I'm very proud for the chance that I've had to learn some of their nuances. Right. So, so it's possible to take control and redirect that physical reaction? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the beauty, the good news is, is that it absolutely is. Um, you know, there's breathing techniques, there's yoga, uh, there's learning through mindfulness to learn how to not respond to it with more anxiety, because when it spirals, that's when people, you know, really get into a bad situation. I try to explain it this way. If you say, for example, hit your funny bone, 
Do you say funny bone in, in uh, London, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know you what I You get the tingly mean. thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, if, if you had that and you had never experienced it before, you thought it was some kind of a bad sign, it could actually be pretty frightening and overwhelming and you could start right. reacting to it and getting anxious. The same thing is true for a little bit of a pre-audition jitter. And some people just need to learn how to recognize it and manage it and let it pass like a funny bone. Other people right. um, have a situation with their internal monologue that we dive into. Um, again, Jamie, I'm so glad you decided to do this because truly I could talk all day. So you'll have to stop <laughs> Please me do. probably. Please do. <laughs> so Anna, I'm, I'm curious. I know I've been kind of going on here. Have you ever tried any of the things that I mentioned? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, I'm yeah, for sure. And I was just thinking while you were talking, I was like a, a thing that I've learned to do. And it probably only comes with, you know, getting old like I am. And <laughs> is that to stop wiping expectations on any audition, whether you expect to do well or you expect to do poorly, uh, expectations tend to set you up for disappointments and surprises. And also expectations tend to hype, hype you up more. Whereas if you can so just chill and and not and be like, you know what? I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna be myself, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna have a good time. Or if you're reading from home, which we are 80% of the time with voiceover, don't put don't put an expectation on it like, oh my gosh, I'm so perfect for this. I have to nail it. And then you overwrought your audition or you over-edit it or you know, you take out the humanity. Um things it, that's just one example of like a, anything that you can do to, or do you think I'm never going to get this. Why am I even bothering? And then you put forth a crappy audition, you know, if you can just take away expectation, that's a big step to just relaxing a little bit. Yeah. I'd love to comment on that one. Um, so Anna, I just, I think that is so interesting because I think Anna's illustrating, um, something that I think is really important for people to know, which is that what works for one person may not work for another person. So for Anna, the idea of having no expectations is actually calming and it works for her and that's great. Uh, It works for many people. Mm. Whereas other people like to live, quote, as if. I'm sure we kind of have all heard of that before that they say, well, yes, of course, this is my part. Of course, I have this, you know, and, and, and they walk in the room and that's how they get themselves into into that own it space. Um, and other, you know, other people find that that almost, you know, sets them up for a disappointment that they, you know, actually can't handle. So but other people, again, find that they're able to just let go of it as soon as they walk out of the room and they just feel like it helps them to, you know, put <laughs> on a certain air that they like. So I love, you know, again, just to talk about all these techniques, but I also want to say that I think some people try some techniques that don't work for them right. and then they get really frustrated and they think that they must be beyond help. And so I just want people to know that the whole idea is that what works for one person might not work for you because we're all coming from a different beginning place. Right. I- that's interesting because as I was writing these questions yesterday and I was thinking about this subject, I realized part of the way through that I was just assuming everyone was underconfident when they started. <laughs> and I wonder if you have ever dealt with people who they are overconfident and that is a problem that they, they have to sort of manage their expectations or something. It's sort of a completely sort of opposite perspective to what I'm familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We call it actually reality testing in psychology. Um, You know, so if, you know, for example, somebody, you know, were to 
you know, just kind of have truly unrealistic expectations. Um, some For some people, it comes out of a sense of entitlement. Um, and other people, they just, it's the only tool in their to- toolbox is to try to puff themselves up that way. Right. And it, it hurts them too, and they know it. Um, so again, I... Um, I love, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy because it gives people pretty easy ways. Um, Jamie, if I can just share as well, I, I think that, you know, you're mentioning I, I have anxietytools.com because yeah. I love my anxietytools.com so much. Um, and I, do, I have found that it really does oftentimes boil down to some pretty simple um, techniques that a person really does not even necessarily have to be in therapy at all, much less a long time. Um, Sometimes it drives me crazy when I hear about actors that get sucked into these, you know, multi-multi-year therapies, which there's nothing wrong with that if they're helping you to increase your insight about yourself and they can be wonderful. But for some actors who just need to learn a few basic, simple techniques, um, Cognitive behavioral therapy, or even just self-help, can be best. <laughs> oh, right. That's 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 good, and that's reassuring. I'm sure for a lot of people, um, they're not yeah. losing their mind. <laughs> um, right. So, um, Anna, you were say you were talking about expectation just then, and that has been sort of a somewhat of a revelation for you. So, do you still have moments of self-doubt? Is that something you still have to fight, or has that changed for you? Uh, it's changed greatly, but of course those those moments happen from still from time to time. I would I would be like the weirdest. I would be a robot. Yeah. You can't you can't be a sensitive performer and an interpreter of the words on the page, whether you're doing a you know a medical pharmaceutical spot or a melodramatic soap opera or a video game, which is very much like a melodramatic soap opera. Yeah. Um. So you know you have to you have to perform and interpret and be sensitive in the moment that you're cut off to that you're not going to be as good of a performer. Um, but so it's always about managing that. And, and I remember one time, uh, one time we interviewed, uh, on a show I did called free radio, we interviewed Tony Shalhoub and this was about 10 years ago. So he was just coming off of, uh, his final season of monk Mm. and which, and he had just won his third Emmy for it. Right. And I mean, this is a very accomplished actor and, uh, someone who I look up to and I've known for years. And he said he didn't know if he would work again. Wow. And I was yeah. like, wait, what? What did you just <laughs> say? Like, that's crazy. What? You're Tony Shalhoub. You're amazing. Yeah. You're a character actor. You're guaranteed, you know? And I realized I was like, oh, that feeling doesn't go away even after you, after you've just won your third Emmy. And so it's yeah. about managing those insecurities. And most of us as talent have gone through dry spells or it took, you know, however many years to start booking jobs and, and start getting it going. And also too, the the other thing that I've noticed with a lot of top talent is that they still coach and they still get feedback, you know, yes. and uh, they are in class or they coach or they do a workout group or they'll send their auditions out. One of the best moments for my career was around 2006. One of my agents emailed me and she said, your auditions have gotten boring. And I was like, what? My auditions are amazing. (laughs) And she was like, no, they've, they've gotten boring. And she said, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to listen to all the auditions of the parts that you've read on in the past couple months. I want you to hear what everybody else is putting forth. Wow, and that's that was like such a golden opportunity because in voiceover, we don't get to hear what everyone else is doing. I mean, you rare, you don't really get to hear, but we, we don't often go 
have that peek behind the curtain. So I always tell talent starting out, if you have a chance to intern for an agency or a casting director, if you can get in there and hear what people, you're going to learn so much. And another time that I learned a lot was uh, when, when I was doing chemistry reads for a show that I was on and the, the guy who was supposed to play my love interest was coming in and I had to be in the room and well, we saw guys all day long for three days. Mm. And now that's an on-camera thing, but still I could f- sense the, whatever the person was bringing in the room, the moment they walked into the room, really, whether it was guy with a chip on his shoulder, guy who felt desperate, guy who was happy and put us at ease, guy who was relaxed, guy who was insecure and needed reassurance. Like it was amazing to me. And so it made me realize that's in a way, when you're doing voiceover too, you're putting that forth in the first five seconds of your audition as well. People sense that they pick up on it. I don't know what it is, but people know. Why were you putting out boring auditions? What did you think that what was the reason for that? Do you think? I think that I had gotten to a, a level where I was booking regularly and I didn't really change stuff up or feel or get in touch with what I was reading. And right. then that just changed everything. So that was you an know? overconfidence in a way, or just like you got too comfortable or? Maybe. Yeah. 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 And that comes back to you, what you were saying a minute ago about you sort of don't want to overcome that sort of self-doubt thing because you want that adrenaline rush and you want to be able to, I think you said, harnessing your insecurities, which is a well, great You line. want to be able to strip away all the BS so that you can just be in touch with what your job is. And your job is to be, you know, to check in and be, be an interpreter of whatever's on the paper. Right. That's your whole job. And you might not be the right voice that they're looking for. You might not Uh, you can't control any of that, but you can control you connecting with whatever it is, performing it well, and uh, then leaving it there. Like, that's it. I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So Dr. Chloe, uh, you said you've spoken to actors, Broadway, TV and film actors. Um, Have you come across this yourself where an actor obviously wants to uh, sort of self-improve but they also don't want to lose that sort of adrenaline rush and that sense of who they are and that they can tap into in a character you know oh all the time you know it's such a it's a, such a belief that many actors have um and it's been around really i you know i think at least since the 50s and the 60s uh, at the time when psychoanalysis was more of a fad mm. uh, that actors were afraid that if they worked out their neurosis yeah. that they would lose their eyes angst and then they wouldn't be compelling on screen anymore um so yeah um it's it's a i find the best way to deal with that um is to actually oddly enough kind of make friends with that jitter the the jitter that many people are used to so used to trying to kind of banish to actually because then that only stuffs it down and then they end up sometimes having panic attacks later and um so instead they i try to encourage them oddly enough to make friends with that internal energy um and reminded that you know we all have the same goal here i i try to sometimes stimulate the mental experience of, you know, guided imagery that you're at an audition Mm. during a session and then scan your body for what is coming up for you and learning and exploring and getting comfortable with those signals so that they don't necessarily feel like alarm that is unwarranted where that's becoming counterproductive, but to remind them that of course, you know, you're still going to feel that you know, kind of extra little spring in your step and that that can be a good thing. But if you don't, um, you know, feel the, feel that spring in your step, um, 
then it usually is good to take a look at what's going on in your art more the way that Anna did when her um, <laughs> agent said, let's have a fresh look at you know your energy and what you're bringing to the table. Because sometimes actors can get on an automatic mode, just like anybody can. A therapist can, anybody can. And so it's really important sometimes to have somebody kind of just help you refresh everything that you're presenting. Right. I um I produce another podcast and it's about uh, awards shows and things and we've had a number of uh, guests on who are like Emmy nominated actors and things like that and a couple of times they've talked about how they get so invested in the character and they really get into the mind of the character that they'll come home and they're just they're just drained they're just like emotionally and physically you know and and so is is there a sort of switch that you help to encourage them to turn on and turn off with the emotion yeah yeah well i think it is important that we recognize that there is a relationship between the body and the mind um mm. you know i'm sure i don't have to spend much time convincing anyone here of that yeah. so because we know that there is a connection between the body and the mind if you've had a day you know where you were like weeping on stage all day or something um it's almost an unrealistic expectation that you're going to come home and your body and your mind are not going to feel a little bit depleted, I would encourage an actor to try to think about that um, somewhat, not exactly, but somewhat in the same way that a construction worker might feel. Um, if they come home after a very physical day, they don't, um, they don't feel alarmed if their body feels like it just wants to be in a quiet place, watch TV and have takeout and get a massage. Right. <laughs> then then that's, a, that's a good self-care you know, thing to do. Um, yeah. On the other hand, you know, from the emotional side, sometimes, again, every situation and every person is different, but sometimes um, because of something called the facial feedback um, hypothesis, which is that when you make a sad face, you feel sad inside. And so if you spent the whole day making a sad face, then, you know, you could kind of have evoked a state of sadness in yourself that you want to undo. Um, so I would try to just first check in with, if there's anything that sadness may have stirred up in you that legitimately does want some attention. And if it doesn't feel like that way and you just want to snap out of it, you know, then you can um, try to give your body a little bit of a change. So nudging it into, you know, making happy faces, or right. if you have access to a pool and you're able to get your whole body under some water or stand under a shower, that in itself has actually really showed to help kind of reset your mood from wherever you are. Just the act of being in water? Submersed in water, especially um, hot, very hot or very cold water. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's something that some um, psych psychiatric units have actually been known to do sometimes to help a client that maybe is manic or, you know, in certain situations it's recommended as, an, as a sometimes useful way to help people to just reset their energy a little bit. Right. And could that work the other way around? Could it? Could you use something like that to get yourself into uh, a state that is not yourself so into character? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent. If you were going to an audition for, you know, to be Mae West, I would mm. absolutely encourage you to, you know, wear a, a sexy dress, even right. if you know you weren't going to be seen, um, you know, and to stand in a in a seductive manner. Um, because absolutely the things, and to, to your point, would you do that to prep before you got into the audition? I guess, again, everyone's method is different, but I, I certainly see it would make sense. Right. Great. 
<clears throat> so Anna, um, I want to explore a few ideas now for um, going on from that, how you can perform your best, not only at an audition, but when you book the gig, if you go into a studio or even if you're just walking into your sound booth at home. So do you have any uh, mental or visualization techniques that you use to get into that mode? Um, I had, I had a coach, maybe it was a casting director, tell me years ago, when you go in to do the job, especially as a voiceover actor, you are, your job is to relax everybody in the room. Sometimes when, sometimes this is going to sound negative to our profession. I don't mean it to, but sometimes it feels like, uh, the voiceover can be a little bit of an afterthought. And if you think about it, they've already spent a tremendous amount of time and resources creating this commercial or creating, animating this show or, you know right. what I mean? And so we're going to come in and we're going to be, you know, say the tagline, we're going to say seven words at the end of the commercial. Right. And we don't need to be, we don't need to be wiping our insecurities in the room when we go in to do that job. We need right. to be going in there and chilling everybody out knocking it out sometimes too, by the way, the seven word tag is the session that will take the longest and it will be so they'll, they'll just have you do it a million times yes. and you'll feel like, did I even, why did you even hire me? If you didn't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's just par for the course. That's just what happens in those kinds of sessions. And, um, but I would say your job is to know that like they hired you for a reason. Mm. They want you to do the job go in there and do a great job, be relaxed and relax everybody. Don't ever go in there thinking they need to take care of you. Right. Because that's not, <laughs> you need to be an adult, a mature performer and go in there and, and do your job. And the, uh, I, there are, there are some very nurturing directors and there are some very gruff, non-nurturing directors yeah. and you kind of got to be, be prepared for anything. And if you're, if you're relaxed and you can take it in stride, even if you're feeling like, Oh my God, they hate me. Or, Oh my God, this guy is so, so rude. You know what I mean? If you, if, even if you feel that stuff on the inside, if you can just chill everybody out, it's going to go a lot easier. And people will talk about that. Hey, right. that guy was great. He just came in here and did his job. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what they want. They're working professionals. Why shouldn't you be a working professional and, and match that energy? Have you had any situations where you've been in a studio and maybe, yeah, you've had a difficult director, someone's giving confusing feedback or they're having emotional issues or something, or maybe you're making mistakes and you, you know, imposter syndrome kicks off or something like that. Have you had any of those moments that you've had to overcome? Oh yeah, of course. Of yeah. course. And what was your, what was your technique for that? Oh gosh. It's really hard to say, what was the technique for that? <laughs> you just take it in stride and just do it and just yeah. like calm down and breathe and get through, through it. Yeah. You know, I mean, ultimately what we're doing is it's not rocket science. We're no. saying words and, um, sometimes <sighs> there've been so many different kinds of sessions. Sometimes you'll get in there and it will feel like, oh, they're not happy with what they're having me do it a million times. They're not happy. And then you find out later they loved you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then other times you're like, uh, you know, and you're not, you're not giving them what they want. And sure enough, you'll hear the spot and you've been replaced. That's just part of it. If you, you haven't been around in this business long enough till you've been fired right. and replaced, that stuff is going to happen from time to time. And, um, so, yeah, but to, as far as techniques of having a difficult session, I mean, I got to say, we work in a really good business. I rarely have a bad session. Yeah, People yeah. are usually very chill. There are certain clients 
like, like ABC, for example, when I do a promo for them, it's literally a take or two. Mm. And then we move, we move on. Cause they're working on such a tight timeline and we have a rhythm and I've been doing it for four years with them. But then like other clients who shall remain nameless, <laughs> they will do one promo and it takes them 20 minutes to lock it down. And that does drive me crazy. Cause I'm like, you guys, we got this. I did yeah. it four takes ago, but yeah. you know, that's just part of, that's just part of what we do. Yeah. And I don't want to misrepresent the industry because a good 99.9% .9 of sessions yeah. are fantastic. You know, they, most they're... people are just super chill and they're super glad to be there. And oh my gosh, I'm about to lose my voice. I'm going to take a sip of water, but yeah, yeah we're, <laughs> We're, we're, it's a very, we're really lucky. Most people I've encountered, I, it's really rare to yeah. encounter someone who's an a-hole or someone who wipes their bad crap on you during, like it just, just doesn't happen. Yeah. So doc, Dr. Chloe, when those rare situations do happen and, um, you know, you're very much, I mean, if I can sort of paint the picture, I know you've, you've been on TV and you know, the, the stress involved in all these things. So when you're in a vo voiceover session, you're particularly in the studio, you're very much in a goldfish bowl. You know, you've got the glass and you're being looked at through the, through the glass and you can feel under a huge amount of pressure, especially if you might make a mistake or two or feel like you're not doing your best. So in those moments, if that, like I say, imposter syndrome starts rearing its head, what would, what would be a good, uh, sort of mental process to go through in that moment? Mm -hmm. Well, Jamie, I would say it's more of an ecosystem of mental processes, you know, so mm. even that kind of, you know, difficult moment is going to happen um, in the context of, you know, whatever internal monologue you're already having. Um, so I guess I would just like to explain a little bit about something called defensive pessimism that I think might you know be good to know about here. Yeah. Um, so defensive pessimism is kind of what it sounds like. It's a tendency to sometimes you know assume the worst as a way to um, protect ourselves and also sometimes to stimulate ourselves to work hard on preparation and things like that. And so a certain amount of defensive pessimism is actually healthy. Like it would be ridiculous if I said, well, you know, I don't need to buy any, um, I don't know, clothes because the clothes I have will last forever. Right. <laughs> I would yep. be obviously short on defensive pessimism. So a certain amount of it is helpful, but some people go overboard on it. Um, so if you're at a, you know, uh, either an audition or an actual job and you start getting some feedback that feels difficult, um, I think it is good to be attuned to the possibility that, you know, maybe they want you to do something different, but also, um, you know, not necessarily assume that it's anything negative about yourself. Um, I, I, oftentimes just simple communication can be helpful to narrate your experiences is what we call it in psychology. So right. sometimes it can be helpful to say to the people that are taping you, um, Hey, is everything okay? Do you guys want me to do anything different? I'm happy to keep doing it. If there's any direction you want me to take, just feel free to let me know. Um, sometimes that just actually helps to sort it out. Um, I would also en encourage the person um, to remember that after a difficult day um, where you do just have to get through it, as Anna was saying, a, a professional is not going to, you know, go to pieces and say like, oh, well, I just feel like it's just, you know, so much stress on me right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as Anna said, you know, you would just get through it. Um, however, to do that, you'd have to be, you know, kind of pushing aside maybe a certain amount of your own private reaction. And so I do encourage um, actors or really anybody that has to do 
do that sometimes for their job to make sure that they unwind and give themselves a chance at the end of the day to talk through or journal through whatever you are actually experiencing and then give yourself, um, you know, some good self-care if need be. And I do have some tips on that too, Jamie. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but okay, great. So I I will share them. I do think it can be a really good idea to have a list of, you know, self-care ideas. I call it a self-care menu. Um, And that way, if you have had a tough day, um, different things are going to be right for different days. Um, For example, if you were at work and you got some difficult feedback and you know, it was one of your first jobs and you actually realized you actually really, you know, did blow it, you know, like, let's <laughs> like just prepare for the worst. Um, then on your self-care menu, um, you would have some things on there that you could do to go home and continue to be productive because the danger there, especially for an early career actor, is that they'll take that bad day and then just go into a lot of self-doubt and negativity and beating themselves up. And then they just kind of drift away from really even working on trying to get more auditions or more jobs. Mm. Um, so on the self-care menu, uh, things like, you know, revise your website or, um, you know, reach out to agents and contacts. If you, you know, really know that you did really kind of blow it and you need to actually make sure you're doing something to put your best foot forward. Um, or if you felt like you were giving a boring audition and you just had that weird feeling, um, I would have your self-care menu include all kinds of things again. So a good thing for feeling like you maybe just lacked your sparkle that day would be to have on your self-care menu to read, say, The Artist's Way, Um, or a book about your technique or craft, or even, you know, some other type of book altogether, Um, you know, going to church, whatever, everyone's different, but I, or go to the gym, but I really encourage people to have an actual written self-care menu with a wide variety of things on it, so that whatever type of challenge you've had, you don't have to sink into it. You've already thought of a good, positive kind of intervention for that difficult day. Right, right. Anna, do you just move on from a bad session? Is that is that something that you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a technique that I do almost daily. And that is usually when, if there was a bad session or a bad experience, uh, I, I try to figure out, I try to do it the next morning. I look back on every day and I go, okay, what happened that was fun that day? And then what happened that felt negative? What happened that brought up negative emotion? And then I try to figure out what belief it activated, what negative belief, like why would I feel that sting? Oh, Mm. that sting comes down down to a, a, I felt, I felt worthless in that moment, or I felt, I felt invisible, you know, Uh, whatever it is, I'm just coming up with examples, but it's a very vulnerable place to be, but it kind of goes, okay, well, that stung because I felt invisible. I felt invalidated. Okay, well, are you invisible? Are you invalid? No, you're good. It's okay. And it's a way for me to like forgive myself and forgive everything that happened in the interaction. And it's funny because now that I've started doing that, doing that I can clock more subtle moments from the day before. And it's worked out a lot of bugs and worked out a lot of kinks. And I like that. But I also like, for me personally, just going on stage and telling jokes like that to me, because there's so much about the entertainment industry that we can't control. You can control the audition that you put out there. Yeah. And from that point on, it's out of your hands. They'll, if you get the job, they're going to tell you what to do. You know, you can, you can obviously do 
you're still performing and having a good time, but you, ultimately you're being directed. So for me personally, having the outlet of doing standup is great because it's your own thing and you, you control the entire performance and no one's going to go up. The only feedback you get is, are you making them laugh? You right. know what I mean? And then you kind of no. So that's like an, a different, like an outlet that kind of gets that out for me. Yeah, it's like your version of going to the gym or doing the artist's way. Or, yeah, yeah, which I also like going. Going to the gym is also amazing. And I've yeah. noticed if I don't go to the gym for a couple of days in a row, I feel depressed and I don't and antsy and I don't know why. And it's always because I need to go exercise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this actually um, is going to follow on to the next subject here, which now it's a difficult subject right now because there's so much going on in the news. We're in November 2017 for any future listeners. And there's a lot happening in the entertainment industry right now with the Harvey Weinsteins of this world. And there is a lot of press being put on negative people. How do you deal with negative people? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical assault of any kind, but someone who is really uh, affecting you in the session, maybe uh, putting out something really unpleasant in the room or something. What is what is your process for dealing with that, Dr. Chloe? That's an interesting one, Jamie, because also the thing for actors that's really very unique is that their voice and their body are um, up for discussion when they mm. are on audition and when they are at work. Um, in a normal uh, working environment, um, people would never say to you, you know, can you put your shoulders back? We want to shoot you from a different angle so we get your waist. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So there's like a whole thing where, you know, with your voice, if they're saying, you know, can you put a little bit breathier, you know, things that you would just never say to somebody in a normal professional <laughs> environment. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think it's especially important to um, give your body that self-care. I know Anna was saying that she, um, you know, kind of tunes into herself and her internal dialogue and says, like, what do, what do I feel right now? Is that really true? Um, sometimes spending time in mindful meditation, which I it frustrates me. I have to say a lot of people think that they've done meditation or mindful meditation and then they really, um, they haven't because it's something that is, um, so, um, it's like an overused term, but what good mm. mindfulness meditation really teaches you to do is to be aware of your body and how it feels, um, in certain situations. At least that's one of the, uh, things that mindfulness meditation can teach you to do. Um, so that way you can start to have actually a two-way dialogue with your body. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Mm. Um, so if your body is, you know, giving you a signal, um, you can learn how to listen to it. Um, sometimes the body actually senses and knows things before we do. And then on the other hand, as I was saying earlier, sometimes you can realize that your body has gotten triggered in a way that doesn't even quite make sense for the situation. And then with your mind, you can, you know, kind of redirect it or calm it down. Um, right, and yeah. as you're saying as well, Jamie, like, you know, as far as the actual interpersonal dynamics in the room, um, again, if you have a bad day and you're, you know, having to navigate that feeling of just saying, this isn't somebody I want to work with, or I have to kind of put up a little bit of a bubble and a barrier around myself to, um, make sure this person doesn't get under my skin figuratively, mm. um, to give your body a chance to unpack that at the end of the day, to not just get through it and then never think about it and never talk about it again. It really is good that if there's anything you can't deal with in a direct way right there in the moment, that you make sure you give yourself a chance to unpack it later. Right. And Anna, you, I'm, I'm sure you've dealt, had situations where you've had unpleasant people in the room, uh, either on camera or off. Um, and 
based on what you were just saying, you then you sort of unpack that post and then you sort of deal with it, like you say, the following day or. Yeah. I mean, obviously, let's say you're on set and you're there for a co-star part and which is five lines or less. And your job is to say those things. It's usually to, to forward, you know, give some information to the series regular so that they can move forward and complete telling the story. Mm. Like you're just like a little cog in the wheel. And it's, it's a very, like people don't, they don't kiss your butt. Like they're not excited that you're there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're there to do a job. And, um, and that's why I say voiceover is very different because usually at that point, people are in post-production and everyone's kind of chilling out. But when you're in principal photography, things are tense. They got to make their day. They, they have, they're paying hundreds of people that day to be there on set. You're just one of them. So I I think like as much as you can just do your job and try not to internalize anything. Um, I, I do know my, my friend, Sarah Baker and I call it the batitude (laughs) when, when somebody is just kind of needling you like a director or somebody and, and, or let's say you're doing a night shoot and you know what I mean? And the director's a piece of work. (laughs) It's just going to happen. It just, it can't not happen. And you just have to like the, you know, keep the batitude from surfacing. Yeah. And, um, and, and just do it. But I mean, again, like it's such a night and day difference between voiceover and on camera stuff. And right. also I got to say too, working in comedy, there's a lot of like weird, mean, bitter people. Right. And some of them are great and they're going to cotton to you and they're going to help you. And then some of them are just landmine people and you just have to decide I'm never going to work with that person again, or I'm not going to go after that person, or it's worth it to, you know, play the game and be nice just so I could get some stage time from that booker. You know what I mean? So there it's stuff that you have to decide and use your instincts on. And I think it's okay too for you to be like, meh, I don't like, I don't like the feeling that person gives me. I'm never going to go for that again. It's okay. There are plenty, there's plenty of other places to get on stage. There are plenty of other places to audition. There's plenty of other places uh, to be represented for voiceover. You know what I mean? Like there's always, it's it's a small world, but it's also like, it's okay for you to decide and, and have boundaries. You know, if you really feel that way, you should honor that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're getting to the end now, but I want to quickly get a few questions in from the audience. Um, So Tundra Light asks, how can we prevent ourselves from going down the rabbit hole in terms of dealing with the unknown outcome of performances or auditions? Um, Anna, why don't you answer that? Have a busy, full life. Right. So that you're not thinking about it. Have a busy, full life. Go, I don't know what it is. If it's, you know, if you have kids, spend more time with your kids. (laughs) If it's... (laughs) Whatever, if you need to find a hobby, take up golf or tenant, like, I don't know what it is, but if you have a busy full life, then, uh, you will do these auditions. You'll be a more joyful person. You'll be able to let things go. Um, be, you know, be in class, be training, be working with a coach, you know, uh, have a busy full life. That's the best answer I can think of. Okay, great. Dr. Chloe, any, any advice on that? Definitely. So remember the self-care menu that I mentioned earlier that you Mm. could have, you know, to refer to after any kind of difficult day in your in your acting life. Um, And that would also include if you feel like you're starting to stew on an audition, like this particular person is saying um, that they just kind of ruminate at a certain point. So if you have a really good self-care menu, um, it could also include things, for example, like, you know, being with friends, as Anna was saying, or doing a hobby or 
going to school um, are the things we mentioned earlier, like whether it's revising your website or reading, you know, a good self self-help book for actors. Um, I would also add to the list, uh, for example, things like volunteering. Um, mm. Sometimes when we get really focused on, um, on ourselves, which is actually what that is, even self-consciousness and anxiety about the self is actually a form of self-absorption. <laughs> so, you know, by, by guiding ourselves through, you know, through that self-care menu, if you really have thought it out, um, you can add all kinds of good things on there so that whatever kind of you know, um, bumped state you're feeling in at the moment, mm. you can write yourself by making sure you don't spiral into it. Right. So getting out of your own head, really, with all this stuff, mm -hmm. you can help you. Okay, exactly. great. great. Um, so Chris Sharps asks, how do you stop comparing yourself to others, people who might be further on or doing better than you, or simply can do something that you can't? That's uh, an interesting question. I think who wants to attack that one? I would jump in on that one uh, with seeing, again, the zone of control. Um, mm. Again, the beauty here, I think, of cognitive behavioral therapy is that um, we, we can recognize in advance that there are certain issues that we have in advance uh, that we have frequently, like this one of this person who realizes that he has a tendency to compare himself to others. And then we can just have a nice... Um, you know, internal monologue kind of replacement <laughs> that we want to have. Um, so when you find yourself comparing yourself to others to the point where you know it's not helpful, um, you could simply, you know, we have something that we call your new mental short list. And it's five things that you think of in advance that you know are kind of fun, exciting topics for you. Um, right everyone's five topics are going to be different, but around this time, people might have like, well, I'll work on my holiday shopping or, you know, I will um, plan my, my next vacation or, you know, right. plan my, my, my trip with my friend. The idea is that you literally need to have five things written down so that when you get in that kind of down state where you realize that you're comparing yourself to other people, you can redirect yourself to that list and you don't have to think of a whole bunch of good topics in that down moment. It's pre-made there for you, almost like good and healthy snacks in the fridge for somebody who's on a diet. <laughs> right, yeah. So, I, Anna, I, I feel like this is a chronic problem amongst actors that we're constantly it is, comparing ourselves. It is, and the the comparison thing is death. It is death. I mean, there you could you could argue that some good might come out of it, like if it makes you realize, oh, I need to up my game, I need to get back into coaching, or I need to sharpen up, or. I need to start creating my own material or I need to work on this accent that I said I've been work. I was going to perfect years ago, you know, whatever it, you it could say that it sparks that. But with most actors, let's be honest, comparison makes you just feel like crap about yourself. And then you carry that around and then you could get jaded, bitter, and you could get an edge to you that you don't want as a performer. It comparison is death. It's like no two people are the same. Uh, as far as performers go, people who are similar in types that's just how it's going to go. I see the same ladies at auditions yeah. every time I go in. And that's just what happens. I see the same ladies and I, I hold, um, I do casting too. And I see the same ladies and the same dudes going out for the same type of parts. And that's just what it is. And one day Mike's going to get it. And one day Jim's going to get it. And yeah. you don't know. And you, you know what I mean? You just can't. And sometimes you think it's always going to be the, the guy, the guy who's worked a million times. He's going to, but guess what? He doesn't book every job, you oh, know what I mean? So yeah. there's, there's there's room for new people, but it, anything you can do to quell 
the comparison thing and to get off of that topic as quickly as possible, I think is wise. Now I have to jump off because I have a client who's trying to dial me early on Source Connect. Um, and I'm so sorry to do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but they are ringing in. And um, I thank you so much for having me. This has been absolutely wonderful. And Chloe, it's so nice to meet you. I'm going to go to your websites. Okay, Anna, it was great to meet with you too. And I actually did visit your website already. It looks great. <laughs> great. <laughs> well, thank, thanks so much, awesome. Anna. Really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Jamie. All right, take care, guys. Thanks. Um, so thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate that. It was such a really great chat. Um, so much, so much usable information there for everyone. So Chloe, uh, why don't you tell everyone where, where people can find out more about you? Sure, Jamie. Thank you so much again for having me. It's been really nice to speak with you. Um, anybody that does want to learn more about the tools I mentioned can go to anxietytools.com. And thanks again for having me. Awesome. And anyone that wants to get in contact with Anna, she had to run off, um, can be found at annavocino.com. So thank you so much. This has been a great chat. Anytime. Bye-bye. So there we go. I think there's a huge amount of information there and that also serves as a good jumping off point for a lot of further study. And if you want to get in touch with Anna or Dr. Chloe, uh, you can reach out online. Uh, Dr. Chloe can be found at drchloe.com and Anna is annavocino.com. Well, I mean, what can I say following that? <laughs> I certainly can't add anything to that conversation. Um, Next week, we have a fantastic episode coming up, and that is to do with marketing and branding. And I'll announce the guests in a few days' time. And um, yeah, that's really exciting. I'm thrilled to be bringing you that interview. In the meantime, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you to this week's guests, Dr. Chloe Carmichael and Anna Vocino. Thanks also to J. Michael Collins and Backstage Magazine. Join us next week for another class. <laughs> <laughs>